0: Let's go in depth on all things Hawkeyes. This, this is Hawk, is Hawk Central. Central on Des Moines Sports Station, one hundred six point
1: three KXNO. Happy Wednesday, Hawkeye fans, and welcome into the Hawk Central Radio Hour. Back in our usual six to seven p.m. home, right here on one hundred six point three KXNO. I am your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, a sports columnist who covers the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's certainly the hot stove season for college football with signing day coming up on December 20th, the transfer portal window in full swing until January 2nd, and of uh, course, beyond that, too. Uh, and we have an offensive coordinator search to discuss on top of stay or go NFL decisions for Hawkeye players everywhere, uh, including uh, some very interesting ones uh, that we will get to later in the program with my Hawk Central teammate, Tyler Tashman. Uh, but for now, uh, and he's also going to uh, tackle some of the basketball stuff, but uh, don't really want to talk about that <laughs> just yet. Uh, so first, uh, when it's recruiting time of year, I always uh, feel lucky to be joined by the longtime publisher of HawkeyeReport.com and a friend of the program and friend of mine, Tom Kaker. Tom, thanks for joining me well, in, uh, in this home-and-home uh, for me situation,
0: on. hopefully. yeah, <laughs> Yes, thanks for having me on. And, uh, yes, I'm sure we'll call upon you to come on our wonderful podcast at some point, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird that, you know, it's almost like signing day, which used to be like the biggest day by far for us in my industry for, for decades. Um, it's now like, it's kind of like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. It's sort of of like, Oh yeah, it's signing day next week. You know, I was thinking about that last night and wrote up a a story just kind of like, by the way, Iowa's <laughs> been done since middle of July, and really they were done by the end of June, when all these guys really committed, and then just kind of uh, made their announcements over the, the course of the, the next couple weeks.
1: Yeah, isn't that crazy? I mean, don't they need to move this date at some point?
0: Yeah, I, I am, and I think Kirk is in favor of this too. Um, I'm sort of in favor of having like an August signing day, Mm -hmm. like the first week of August when, because that's when high school football is going to be starting up with, you know, your two days and your camps and everything. Why not just, so if, if kids want to sign, they can sign then and be done with it and just focus on their senior season and have it done and then have the February day, right? You know, the traditional day, because right now the way it is, you have this like, end of December. And then it's like six weeks later, you got another one. What's the point?
1: And there's you know? coaching movement yeah. all over the place. You know, Iowa doesn't have an O-C yeah, it yet. Just, I mean.
0: And, and um, it just seems like the month of December is just kind of the crazy season now because of the transfer portal. And it feels like the transfer portal and all the coaching stuff just leave that for December. Yeah. And then um, when well, and the and, playoffs and, are going to start next about- year,
1: 12 team playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this yeah, the, by the way, yeah, next year at this time we'll have we'll a live college football playoff games this coming weekend. Right. You know, so on campuses. <laughs> yeah. Potentially, you know, potentially if things went well for the University of Iowa, they could maybe be hosting a college football playoff game this coming weekend a year from now. Wow. I mean, wild to think about. Uh, you know, it could be Iowa versus Georgia or Alabama at Kinnick <laughs> Stadium a year from now. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying theoretically could happen, yeah. but yeah. It's, so it just, it just feels like this is the thing that needs to move and it needs to, to, to go to August. And I think Kirk is, is on board with that. I, you know, I think he's, I know there's, there's also a movement out there that, and I think, um, might have been PJ Flack, but some other coaches may, I, I can't remember what it was, but a couple of prominent coaches though had come out and said, Why not just let kids sign whenever they want? Mm. You know, if they're ready to sign, let them sign. Because we all know that they can back out of these things anyway. So it's, you know, if there's a coaching change or something happens within the program, they'll get a release. They can get out of it. I mean, that's just the the way it works today.
1: Good stuff. We will probably touch on signing day here at the end of our conversation, Tom. But we did want to start off with – you know, the, the hottest topic, I guess, which is the Iowa offensive coordinator search, which is underway yeah. uh, from head coach Kirk Ferentz. Uh, you and I have both written about it in the last couple of weeks. We had some uh, familiar names, I guess, or common names, I should say, on our lists. Yeah. And uh, I liked your piece today. I encourage people to check it out at uh, hawkeyreport.com, the On3 website. And uh, let's go over those three names right now. And I had two of them, so uh, we'll save the third one, which I didn't have. Um, for the end uh number one tom uh was paul christ i think that's the name that folks are you know have probably heard the most in this whole deal uh yeah. he's age 58 had a you know everyone knows he was 67 and 26 at wisconsin fired last season uh, in the middle of the year uh and i did you know good pluck by you i did not realize this initially his nephew keller is an analyst for the hawkeyes so uh, how much yep. sense does this make for you? Or how much, you know, Paul Christ smoke is there in your world right now?
0: You know, if 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 DraftKings put up betting odds for Iowa's offensive coordinator,
1: Ooh, I think I like
0: it. Paul Christ would Paul Christ would be the odds on favorite, I think. Yeah. He's available. Um he's probably not going to cost you an arm and a leg i mean he'll cost you something but you know right now he's in he's getting paid by wisconsin i would imagine from his contract that he had at some level but usually there's you know kind of a trade-off of if you're working you get some of that uh, shaved off whatever you're mm-hmm. making and um because i think he got a, i think they gave him maybe they gave him two sorry, i'd have to look into it what they gave him but Anyway, he's down in Texas as an analyst right now, so it's not, you know, they're in the college football playoffs. Maybe he wants to keep sticking around there and, and see that through. Understandable. But yep. he's available. You know, it's not like he's got a job down there that, boy, I can't leave this analyst job, you know. Right. He's, he's available. So availability is, is uh, always a good thing. And I know Kirk really um, liked Paul Chris, mm-hmm. got along well with him. You know, you can't say that about every Big Ten coach, probably. No, um, cannot. But he was, <laughs> but he, maybe the guy from Minnesota. I, don't, I think that's pretty well documented. That's, uh, maybe they don't State see eye all the time. Yeah. yeah, State College maybe. But but he really liked Paul Christ. And he kind of runs the type of wow. offense that would fit with what Kirk Ferentz likes to run. And he's a quarterback coach. Yeah. I think that's important. Uh, so, you know, if we put up DraftKings odds, I'd put him, you know, probably uh, odds-on favorite right okay. now to to be the uh, the next offensive coordinator.
1: Ah, yeah, good stuff. Would you go plus odds or minus odds? Like plus 150? I would still go plus.
0: plus. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would too. still go plus. I would still be plus odds. I don't think it's, it's a prohibitive thing. It's just he kind of makes the most sense. Yeah. Right? He just kind of does. He makes the most sense. He knows the Big Ten. He... He's culturally, he would fit. I think he personality wise, he fits with Iowa. So, uh, and he's a quarterback coach. He was a former quarterback. I think that's important for this position. I really do.
1: Yeah. And he's a terrific uh, coach in the run game in particular. Uh, so, and yes. that's something Iowa could use some assistance with um, as they move forward. You know, as I mentioned, age 58. Uh, I think that's important too, because, you know, somebody coming here, you know, uh, I don't. It could be anybody for sure, but I like the idea of maybe. Yeah, we don't. You know, we know Kirk Ferentz isn't going to be here for twenty five more years. I mean, it's it's kind of coming yeah. to an end at some point, and it's not like Paul Christs' career is on the line if it's an abject failure. So you got to find those kinds of fits. I just don't know if you're going to get that hot shot coordinator to come to Iowa and uh, you know work under the Kirk Ferentz restrictions. I guess.
0: Yeah, and I think he's just a he's a he's a good fit for complimentary football yeah for what you know phil parker would run and and what phil parker does so yeah i think that's um i think it's interesting uh i think he'd be an interesting hire i think he'd be a good hire i really do i've always liked what paul chris um ran and and i i i think he's a uh he was a really good offensive coordinator at west at wisconsin too i mean he, they had really good offenses then when when he was around
1: absolutely uh number Number two on the list, uh, maybe not in this order, but at least a name yeah. uh, to discuss is Joe Philbin. Uh, he's a little bit yeah. older, age sixty-two, but he was on Kirk's original staff. Uh, Hasn't yeah. more of an offensive line background, but has been a head coach. Uh, you know of the Miami Dolphins, interim of the Packers, uh, currently at Ohio State as an analyst, making a lot of money. Uh, honestly, uh, was a Dallas Cowboys O-line coach uh, until this past year. And he won a Super Bowl with the Packers, so uh, yeah, those are that's kind of his resume. Uh, why would you know why? Why could you see Joe Philbin maybe being a fit for the Hawkeyes?
0: I, I you know, he and Kirk have remained close. I mean, they 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 continue to talk over the years, so there's there's a comfort level there. Joe would come in, and he knows what the Iowa offense looks like. He was there. He's he's still regarded very highly by Iowa fans. I mean. You know, every time the offensive line job or whatever opened up or Mm -hmm. anything opened up, his name would come up with fans. I mean, they just, that 2002 uh, uh, offensive line is still revered uh, by everybody, you know, for what they were able to do. And he was the coach of that and then left. Um, The big thing, Joe didn't really like recruiting. You know, he had a young family and it was just taking him away and it was just, it was really hard. Iowa really doesn't ask their coordinators to go out and recruit a whole lot. that I mean, Phil, Phil goes out and cherry picks a couple guys every year that, that he'll go out and see. And, you know, Brian wasn't super active in recruiting. I mean, he had a little bit of a territory and he would get out, but it's not like they're, they're asking those guys to, to hit the road. And, you know, at this point, Joe's kids are, you know, they're, they're older and he, maybe he'll, he would get out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not I'm not all that concerned about it. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the quarterback side of things maybe makes you rethink things and maybe they readjust some of the staff, you know, maybe they move some things around mm-hmm. staff wise where um, Joe comes in and he's the OC, but he's coaching maybe a different position. Maybe it's not quarterbacks and maybe he brings in a quarterback coach mm-hmm. that he's familiar with. Um, I, you know, I I really do think they need a dedicated quarterback coach or somebody who's quarterback yeah. trained. I, I think it's just, it's such an important position that you just can't neglect it. And you can't, um, you know, uh, no commentary on Brian Ferentz, but Brian Ferentz is not a quarterback coach. Right. He does not. You know, that's not and his trade. I don't think he would ever... <laughs> I don't think he would. I don't think he would. He would say he's a. You know. No, he never did. did that was his expertise. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was. He you know understood that he was not, but he ran the offense, and they were smart enough to bring in a you know John Budmeyer and, and and keep Spencer Petras around, and you had guys that knew how to play the position, so that were available to work with the the quarterbacks this year.
1: So, uh, two guys that did play quarterback in college uh, that are not in the running, based on both of our reporting, uh, are John Budmeyer and yeah. Tim Polisek. Uh, you know, Polisek, obviously, the former O line coach at Iowa, was a star uh, yeah. small college quarterback. And then, of yep. course, Budmeyer, instrumental in bringing Cade McNamara and Deacon Hill to Iowa, former Badgers quarterback, somebody I recruited, somebody who I, you know, Kirk Ferentz values a lot. So, Do you see there a world where maybe Bud Meyer sticks around uh, as a quarterbacks coach potentially, like with Chris,
0: or maybe if they kind of um, you know kind of redo the staff a little bit, right? And because I know he's really trusted by the guys who I think are probably going to be, you know, unless something changes. Two of uh, let's just say at least two of the top three quarterbacks for Iowa going into next year, really think a lot of John Budmeyer. That's yeah. Cade McNamara and and Deacon Hill, and they both are, are very highly in Coach Bud's camp. So it would make sense, um, but again, that's going to depend on what John Budmeyer wants to do. I mean, maybe he could stay in the same role that he yeah. has right now. I don't think Kirk would is looking to kick him to the curb at all. Um,
1: He's making money. So, yeah. Or,
0: or he, you know, takes on a different role. Um, Or, you know, Paul Christ is doing something different. I, you know, it depends on what they do with the staff. I think you've also, with your OC, you've got to give them some leniency um, in in terms of what they're, what they can do with the staff. Now, I am not suggesting by any means. I, I mean, I think. You, you do whatever you can to try and keep an Abdul Hodge or a Liddell Betts just because of their status within the program. I think you, you know, those are guys. But could you move, you know, Abdul around and get him on the defensive side and and do something over there and um, maybe open something up for you know? I, there's a lot of things that I think Kirk should consider uh, this offseason, not only with his OC, but you know Paul Christ or Andy Ludwig or Joe Philbin or whoever he hires, you know there's certainly some wild card candidates that could be out there um they may have a couple of guys they want to bring in with them hey this i gotta mm-hmm. bring this is my guy i gotta bring him in. I trust this guy he yeah. may have guys that they want to bring in to coach wide receivers or whatever you know this year yeah, it's com- it
1: is more complicated than just a one for one you know trade-out of his son, Brian Farron. So there's a lot of complicated layers to this, Tom. And you you brought up that third name there, Andy Ludwig, uh, the Utah Offensive Coordinator as a candidate. He's age 59, uh, been with the Utah Utes since 2019, uh, former Wisconsin Offensive Coordinator himself. Uh, What do you like about, what are you hearing about Andy Ludwig as a possibility for the Hawks?
0: Well, I know that he's been interested in the job in the past and, and um, interested in Iowa. And his son was at Iowa for a bit uh, as a walk-on. So there's there's a relationship there. There's trust there with Kirk. Now, I think it's a long shot. But yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to blow smoke up anybody's tail and sure. say, hey, you know, I think this guy's got a, they got a legit shot. He's 59. He's from Utah. He's working at Utah. He's working for the Kirk Ferentz of Utah. Yeah, You know, Kyle Whittingham is sort of like Burke Ferentz. Um, So he's got a really good position, but you know, does he want to, I don't know. Does he want to move to a new conference and um, uh, next year? And and is that a fit for him? I don't know.
1: Well, he's moving conferences either way, but
0: (laughs) yeah, he's moving conferences either way. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Does he want to be in the big 12? I don't know. Right. You know, does he, would he rather be in one of the two power conferences?
1: Well, he'd be going uh, against uh, familiar teams, right? USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA. Yeah. at least he's yeah. seen them so, before.
0: I mean, I mean, I know there's conversations, okay. so that's just you know, at least there's some consideration there, and I'm sure there's probably some other people that Kirk um, Kirk is thinking about. But I think the fascinating thing is when is Kirk going to make this decision? I was just going to ask I you that. What do you think? That's I betting man. I would say, after the bowl game, yeah, I do too that that seems to be Kirk's kind of mode of operation, and it's not hurting them in the portal because they're really not in the portal right now. they're in they're in uh, uh, portal jail because they're they got they've got to figure out how many guys are coming back who could potentially come back COVID year guys and and such. and yeah, uh, guys that are considering the NFL uh, from that junior class. so. They've got to sort that out first to see where their scholarship number is. And as it is right now, they just don't have any room. Mm -hmm. So it's not really hurting them in the portal. It's not hurting them with this recruiting class that's signing next week. So from Kirk's perspective, he's like, why am I rushing? You know, I can just make this decision now. And then you don't have to deal with all the questions and everything down at the bowl game about, Oh, we're, is, are you bringing them in now? Or, mm-hmm. you know, are, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Or are you changing staff or whatever? You don't have to deal with those questions. You can say, I'm still sorting out who I'm going to hire. And, I, it, you know, that's going to be one of the questions I think we'll ask Kirk at, next week. We'll be more about the offensive coordinator, maybe, sure. than the class he's signing.
1: You're listening to Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and Kicks. And I'm Chad Lysdekow talking yeah. Iowa football with Hawkeye Reports' Tom Kaker. Just a couple minutes left here, Tom, and I didn't want to let you go without talking about the nope. incoming class. Signing day, yeah. as we alluded to, is Wednesday. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Hawkeyes have 20 high school commitments. Uh, look, this morning, uh, they're ranked number 28 nationally by On3. So not a bad class at all. Uh, your highest-ranked commitment, uh, according to your website, is Will Nolan. Uh, offensive lineman out of Illinois. He's one of five four stars. The others are tight end Gavin Hoffman. Offensive lineman Cody Fox, uh, who is who seems like he's been committed for like four years. Uh linebackers uh Cam Buffington and Derek Wieskoff. Uh is that uh you know those kind of the top five guys Drew, in the class? we
0: have and, yeah and we have uh on three move Drew Campbell, uh Jack's brother oh. a four star.
1: Oh, congrats um, to but him. That's
0: yeah. our our consensus ranks have those other guys um, as okay. four stars. Like Cam Buffington on three does not have him as a four-star, but we have him as a consensus, which takes into effect, you know, rivals ESPN on, uh, and uh, 24-7. So, okay.
1: Well, what's um, your, like, best – what's your, like, biggest picture thought of this whole class then?
0: Curious about um, – there's a couple guys that I'm really interested in. The most underrated guy, I think, is Jalen Watson. Oh, I think he's, he's coming in as a, corner. Phil guy. he's a three-star kid from, yeah, Phil guy. Um, and just has spectacular year this year. Um, moved to uh, Toledo, Ohio, went to central Catholic high school there. He's from Michigan. Originally we have him as a three-star kid, but just a dynamic athlete. And I think he's going to be really good. Um, and maybe help out early, just one of those kids that's got the intangible kind of ball skills that you look for. Um, also really interested, Gavin Hoffman, who's coming in. Yeah. He's one of the four-stars that you mentioned. He's coming in early, early enrollee, four-star kid, six five, two twenty. 220. They can pack some pounds on him. And, you know, if he can get up to 240 or so, then you can realistically kind of think about him potentially contributing uh, next fall. So mm-hmm. it's going to be good to get him uh, on campus. And I'm really intrigued uh, by the line classes, for both um yeah uh both the offense and defensive line. Defensive line, you know, Drew Campbell coming in, you know, he's got a pedigree of Jack Campbell, but uh, you know, the family family tree, I mean <laughs> all he's gotta do is live up to being a a unanimous all American by the time he <laughs> leaves to, to live up to his brother. But I'm super intrigued by Joseph Anderson and um and Devin Kennedy.
1: Yeah. Phoenix. They're just
0: they seem like just like guys that you just get in the weight room and they're just long-limbed athletic kids that uh, I think, you know, two, three years from now, we're going to be talking about those guys. And then the offensive line, a lot of Chicago-area kids this year with Nolan and, and uh, um, McCaslin and, mm-hmm. and uh, Janowitz and, and guys like that. Uh, so I think this is an interesting class. And and then we've got, uh, you know, K.J. Park, who plays for Matt Bowen at uh, Immaculate Conception High School, and Good uh, wide receiver. Um I'd I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Central Lion, which is like the uh <laughs> the feeder school to the University of Iowa now.
1: Yeah. It's like uh, the Iowa West. Rock Rapids.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this Rock Rapids keeps sending kids. I mean Reese he coming in. Receiver. Um, yeah. Another receiver, yeah. And you know, a guy from Adell, Brevin Dahl, who's yeah, you know, healthy now, I would assume. And um I'm I'm still amazed uh that uh and at this point, Iowa's kept all three running backs because <laughs> I, I, I think everybody figured one of those three guys would leave from the the, the guys that played this year, and and uh, just because everybody wants playing time, but they're all sticking around. So it's a it's a crowded room, but it's a good room for running backs right now for Iowa.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll have a little bit more on Brevin uh, for signing day next week. He lives in my hometown, or my not my hometown, but where I live now. So I'm excited to talk to him. Uh, and then my guy in the class Tom is Cam Buffington.
0: Oh yeah, a home of Jess exactly. Settles,
1: Winfield yep. Mountain Union, baby. Watch for him. Yep. Calling my shot. Eight
0: man, eight man football. Um, you know, and uh, Wieskoff is really good too. I mean, this yeah. linebacker group—the the, the three in-state linebackers. Yeah, seriously. Ooh, you know, they're just. I mean, with all those other young linebackers, and you, you know, you think about like a Ben Keeter and and you know Carson Shire and Jaden Harrell and all these guys. I know everybody's still basking in the glow, Jay Higgins, and Nick Jackson. But, boy, oh, boy, is this a, those guys are just really good football players. Um, you know, I even think of Aiden Hall. the kid kid I was super high on last year, and mm-hmm. he's going to be a big contributor coming down the road. But Preston Reese, the kid from Monticello, super, super player. I mean, just super talented. So this is a really nice class. And the amazing thing is they haven't gotten a commitment since the middle of July.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. Good job, Tyler uh, Barnes. Uh, Good job, uh, Chima,
0: Chima Chinedike was the last one, and he was on uh, July nineteenth. Wow, and he had been committed for a couple of weeks.
1: That's got to be so, unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, I know they've done it before, but this is like they—they like yeah, it's they like cashed out on July nineteenth. <laughs> Gave their chips yeah, to the dealer and said, "We'll just, take our chips, take our money.
0: We're just we're done. Yeah, just it's crazy that it's." Um, it's worked out this way, but, and, and, you know, even though Brian Ferentz um, was, is, is out as the offensive coordinator, none of those guys wavered, you know, you wondered about yeah. um, James Reser and, and, and guys like that, that might waver a little bit or look around and they've been rock steady. So, um, you know, I always, they, they're recruiting the right kids. I they were recruiting the right kids. So um, they, those guys have not wavered and, and they are uh, all set to sign. Um, next
1: Wednesday. All right. uh, We got to run. Thank you, Tom, for joining us.
0: Okay. Thanks for having me on.
1: You bet. Uh, coming up next, I'll be joined by Tyler Tashman. You're listening to Hawk Central here on 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I am your host, Chad Leistico, Hawkeyes columnist for the Des Moines Register. Thanks to Tom Caker for a really fun first segment. And now, uh, transitioning to uh, my buddy Hawk Central teammate, Hawkeyes beat writer for the Register, Tyler Tashman. Tyler. Welcome. Uh, we are already 19 days from the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Yet, had uh, very, very little conversation right now about the game itself. Uh, Tom and I spent quite a bit of time talking about the OC, and now uh, I wanted to talk with you in particular about your article about all the stay-and-go, stay-or-go decisions uh, for the Hawkeyes. Honestly, I, on the, all my time in the beat, I can't remember... A year where there's so many like 50 50 verdicts, you know, like you kind of knew Tyler Linderbaum was going to go, you know, you get a feel for these guys as the season goes on. But legitimately, there are a lot of guys on the fence right now um, with who can go back. So I was glad you wrote that article. Yeah, it's
2: interesting. It's like it's it's collectively and individually like going to have an impact on. What I roster looks like next season, and wh- and how they're going to have to attack the off season, right? Because if, right. if you lose Jay Higgins, um, you know, or if you lose Jamari Harrison, Cooper to Gene Boat, then uh, you know, how do you potentially attack the portal to load up on maybe some defensive back depth or linebacker depth, or you know, it, it it's very much a uh, how is this going to affect next season? You know, having really good players next season, but also how are the next several months going to unfold with
1: how iowa tries to deal with the transfer portal and stuff of that nature yeah and they're already in low 80s in scholarships um committed already you know even with the guys that have left in the portal so unless other guys leave there's only so many of these guys you can definitively bring back but uh so a lot of numbers games out there um Still to be played uh, in this portal game, ret- retention game, NFL game. But let's start, Tyler, with the defensive backfield because that's where all the drama really is. Uh, four names on the list, and put you know, I, unless I'm missing somebody, I don't think I am. Cooper DeGene. I think we can. I feel pretty confident he's going to leave. Uh, I think that's the one. I feel like I wouldn't waste too much time thinking he's going to come back. If he does, it'd be like ultimate surprise, but he's still projected first round pick. Uh obviously we all know what that would mean if he would come back, but I don't think he will. But the other three are interesting. Sebastian Castro, Jamari Harris, Quinn Schulte. Uh where do you want to I'll just I'll just tee it up for you. You can talk about all three. Uh where do you want to start?
2: I guess what my thinking of this was it maybe the, the top two guys that if, if you had your holiday wish list of who could come back probably the top two i would think are DeJean and jay higgins um and maybe DeJean has a slight edge just because of the impact that he has on special teams as well um but I'm, I'm curious to see because i think especially jamari harris and uh cooper that um if both of them leave you feel good about deshaun lee i think uh, given what he's shown this season, kind mm-hmm. of being plugged in when Jamari was suspended, and then when Cooper got hurt, um, he he feels like he's kind of established himself as a, a key piece of the future. But if both of both of Jamari and Cooper leave, you know where does that leave you uh, as far as cornerbacks? You I mean you have like T.J. Hall, Devin Dolson, uh guys that are kind of you know in the program but relatively unproven. Uh, You know, do you go into the portal to try to get for help, get help? Um, It it feels like maybe all the guys that you mentioned, with the exception of Cooper, uh, there's still, I guess, an argument you could make that they have stuff left to prove at the college level. I mean, Jay has had an incredible season, Um, but, you know, I feel like he could probably come back and cement himself as, like, cement his legacy even more, Um, but... But Harris, Schulte, and uh, Castro—it feels like there's still like there's still another step they can take if they come back, and, and that's why I think with the argument with whether DeGene you know, is off to of the NFL. It, just, it feels like there's there's not much left for him to prove, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he has basically done everything under the sun at Iowa, including play on offense, uh, which you were a uh, you know a strong advocate for to Kirk Ferentz, uh, <laughs> but. I'd say maybe DeGene and Higgins have the least amount to prove. The other guys, you feel like if they come back, they can help themselves and help Iowa in terms of kind of raising their stock and yeah. the teams.
1: Well, I think, uh, yeah, let's just kind of, you know, DeGene would be gravy. I like how you outlined uh, the DBs there with uh, Harris uh he could really help coming back. Now the question is: I mean, he was already a fifth-year senior. Does he want to come back to college for another year? Does he want to take his NFL shot now? Certainly, he could prove more, put more on tape. Uh, he had one pretty strong year here. You know, how much better can he get in a year? Uh, that's definitely a conversation to have. Uh, but certainly, I think if you if you take DeGene off the table, Higgins would be, you know, that would be a major major win. Um, getting him back. <laughs> and i don't think that's off i don't think that's out of the question just because he's uh you know he's going to test about the same as he would now i mean one year from now so you know can he get a good nil deal to come back rather than you know fight to make a practice squad in the nfl potentially i mean he, he very well could be a draft pick and we're not i'm not setting himself low but he could guarantee he could be guaranteed to be a prominent player uh over the next year and probably make pretty decent money by staying in school, so that's interesting. And then uh, certainly the other guy is Sebastian Castro. that what a win that would be if if Iowa could pull him back um, and Harris and you know and Quinn Schulte. You could bring back the majority of your your back seven, uh, other than Cooper DeGene, who also could stay. But even if you don't, I mean, how big of a deal would that be if you could keep Castro in there? You could keep Higgins in there and uh, maybe Harris as well, you'd, you'd start to feel really, really good about that defense, and you probably wouldn't need a lot of portal help at that point.
2: And with, with Castro, I mean, he he had a breakout season, um, leads Iowa in interceptions. One of them was that pick-six pick six against Iowa State, but it, it still feels like he's kind of like – he's somewhat flying under the radar in the Big Ten and nationally because like, there was that one – that one, like all Big Ten team, where he was like honorable mention, right? And that was, Coaches, that, that was like, yeah, kind of head scratching. But like, if he comes, it, it feels like to me there's still there's still potential for him to get better at Iowa. Like he's had a really good season, but it, I mean, he probably could have had another. It feels like two or three picks with ones that maybe he just dropped or were in his vicinity or like it, it feels like if he comes back, he'll almost immediately be like one of the best defensive backs in the nation entering next Mm. season. And and I almost think he could have like a Cooper DeGene kind of effect on Iowa's defense where he is just, he just, you know, wreaks even more havoc and creates even more chaos around the ball than he did this season. And, you know, you mentioned Higgins, if Higgins, if Higgins doesn't come back, that means that you're losing, uh, Nick Jackson, who is out of eligibility after this season and Higgins. Um, so both of your starting linebackers, which on the surface, that is a big blow. But it's also important, I think, to remember that Iowa lost its two starting linebackers after last season, Jack Campbell and Seth Benton. And you're wondering, well, how in the heck are they going to replace them? And it turned out pretty good this season. So there there is uncertainty if Jay leaves because you're having to try to figure out who's going to play linebacker, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's like, Phil Parker has found a way to kind of put things together. You have some younger, younger guys kind of in the pipeline: Carson, uh, Shire, Jaden Harrell. uh, You know, Kyler Fisher is another guy we haven't talked about extensively. He could come back. Mm -hmm. He he had a, you know, a a role this season, not as big as uh, Jay or Nick, but he had a role on on the defense. And then you could also dip into the portal because I mean, Nick Jackson was an absolute home run. So you could try to find another Nick Jackson. Uh, from the transfer portal. Uh, so even even if I was having to replace those linebackers, they've shown that they've been able to replace two high-level linebackers before.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it, it'd be, it's interesting to think about how the coaches think about this too because if, if you put me in those shoes and you had to count scholarship numbers, you can't bring everybody back, um, I would kind of start with Higgins and Castro. I don't say, hey, our, you know, You guys kind of get the first call here. If you come back, you know, we're probably not like if Jay Higgins comes back, you're probably not able to keep Kyler Fisher, for example. If Sebastian Castro comes back, maybe you can't keep Quinn Schulte, but maybe if those guys leave, you maybe have a spot for them. And, you know, let's say uh, Quinn Schulte, you know, let's say Castro goes and then Schulte comes back, puts off dental school for a year um, or football, whatever. Cohen Entringer was the guy that would be next man in at cash. And we saw him flash in that big 10 championship game. So, you know, do you feel okay there? Maybe uh, at the cash position with Cohen Entringer uh, and he's got three years of eligibility left. So uh, you like that. But if Castro stays then you put Entringer and Wampa at safety and you feel good about that too. So a lot of kind of uh, mixing and matching could be done in that scholarship game because it's not a, you know, it's not a lock that they can bring every one of these guys back just because of the numbers. And they just haven't had that attrition. You know, I've had four guys enter the portal, but that's not a lot. Um, you know, so there's, uh, uh, they're pretty full uh, um, all told. And then, uh, you know, Harris, it would be, uh, you know, you just have to kind of say, yeah, if you're, we'd love to have you back. Can you, can you do it? Can you make it happen? You can come back, come back for a sixth year. Uh, plus, he's a good team leader. So, Uh, Flipping to the other side of the ball, there's two big names on offense, Tyler, that could return, and both of them play tight end. Uh, I would think if Iowa could get one of Luke Lachey and Eric All, it would be uh, super thrilled, and I don't think that's uh, unrealistic at this point.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's just there's a lot more general uncertainty with where the offense stands right now, you know, in comparison to the defense. But those are the two guys that. You know, like you said, if you could get one of them one of the two back, I think you're feeling pretty good it, I mean because you already have addison Stranger, right and and he was a guy that I don't honestly think we've probably talked about enough who uh in a in a really depleted tight end room this season he's a a young guy that has stepped up and, and definitely shown uh reason to believe that he can be you know a part of the the past catchers of the future for Iowa but um Lachey and all and i I feel like they both a certain extent kind of, you know, they they have stuff that they they could prove at Iowa, but they also have shown enough to where, you know, they could move on to the next level. Like, Lachey has really never been that, like, feature pass catcher for an extended stretch because mm-hmm. he was behind Sam Laporta earlier in his career, and then he was set up to be that feature guy this season, uh, but then obviously got hurt against Western Michigan, hasn't played since then. So you know, if he returns to Iowa, uh, that would give him the shot next season to be that guy. But at the same time, I mean, he's he's shown enough, even you know, behind Laporta and and briefly this season, to kind of I think probably in the eyes of evaluators, uh, with with his size, skill set, and production, to you know, t- to allow him to make that jump to the next level. All is all is interesting because I mean, he had a really good season at Michigan. Uh, before he came, uh, you know, not not the season before Iowa, but but one before that. Uh, but the last two seasons, like Cade McNamara, he's he's had season-ending injuries. He he had it his last season at Michigan, then the ACL injury this season. So he ha- he is more like established at at the college level, but I think there's much more question around his injury status of like whether he can stay right. healthy. So I feel like you kind of both of them have unique circumstances. To each other. They, they both I could see reasons for leaving because they've shown enough, but I think they both could show more if they decided to come back.
1: Yeah, Lachey is so interesting because he's he's probably watching Sam Laporta, his buddy, shine in the NFL and thinking, you know, that could be me someday, but you know, he might have to do that as a third or fourth rounder this cycle versus if he comes back. You know, he's got that Casey's uh, NIL deal. You know, that's an Iowa company. I could see that being, you know, potentially, you know, kind st- of you know, giving him some financial help there to stay. And then he could be that guy. Which, okay, well, he's the first-team All-Big Ten preseason tight end. He's, uh, you know, he's going to have all that, you know, award-winning love potentially. And then, you know, if he has a good year, which that would be the motivation, then you're like, okay, here's the next Iowa tight end NFL teams. You know, uh, you waited t- till pick 34 for Sam Laporta. Maybe you don't wait that long on Luke Lachey after, you know, a 50 catch year, something like that. So that would be the sales pitch from Iowa's point of view. Um, very, very fascinating. I think there's a better chance that Lachey comes back than all at this point. Um, I wanted to get to uh, a little bit of the Citrus Bowl, but we're not out of time here. So we're going to have to push off. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, Tennessee has six defensive backs in the portal, six, uh, and their edge rushers opting out of the game. So this game is becoming more interesting and I'll give you one line from our colleague Dargan Southern on this. He said, it's like half the citrus bowl. We be, will be played on all Madden level and the other half will be played on the rookie level (laughs) when it's (laughs) Iowa's (laughs) offense against Tennessee's defense (laughs) and uh, vice versa. So, uh. We'll talk more about the Citrus Bowl as we go. Coming up next, we will rip off the Band-Aid and talk some Iowa basketball. You're listening to Hawk Central on 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. Chad Leisticoe of the Des Moines Register rushing to the finish line with Tyler Tashman. A uh, quick uh, assessment of the Hawkeye women, number three in the country, improved to 10-1 with a Big Ten opening win at Wisconsin the other day. They will face nine one Cleveland State on Saturday at 6 p.m. at Wells Fargo Arena. Uh, Caitlin Clark moved into number ten on the all-time scoring list uh, with uh, 28 at uh, Wisconsin and needs 20 on Saturday in her hometown to pass Iowa State's Ashley Jones for number nine on the all-time scoring list. Uh, a good upcoming schedule for the women, a chance to go from ten and one to potentially sixteen and one by the time they face. Indiana on January thirteenth uh, in Carver Hawkeye Arena, so uh, a pretty nice schedule. You can check that out. Uh, we've got a lot of women's coverage up there already. I'll be there Saturday to write about the men and the women. Uh, but but Tyler, uh, it, we wanted to talk to you about the Iowa men because you you sustained all the coverage on this uh, from a really rough week uh, in Mackey Arena in Hilton Coliseum, then a, a really disheartening loss to Michigan on Sunday. Uh, The Hawkeyes will face Florida A&M at 33.30 p.m. on Saturday in kind of the undercard at Wells Fargo. So where would you begin to pick up the pieces for the Hawkeye men?
2: Oh, I think sustain the coverage is a good way to put it um, from this this last (laughs) week. Um, But, uh, you know, yeah, it was obviously a very rough week, um, and, and not just because of the outcomes. I think it was more of the way Iowa looked, like, Going into Purdue, at Purdue, at Iowa State, you know, e- even if you're not going to come out with a win, I think there's an expectation that they would at least compete and at least make it a game. And, I mean, they they just got shellacked, basically, in both of them. Um, and so the things, obviously, right now are not good. Um, the offense is not where it needs to be. It, it's looked far too often uh, disjointed. Uh, you know, w- what you're normally used to seeing from Iowa offenses of just great ball movement, uh, you know, off-ball movement, all that type stuff, it that, it that seemed to be farther off from that than it should be. Um, the guys that you were hoping to take major steps forward, you know, have been inconsistent in that. I, I don't want to say that they haven't shown flashes because they have, but it, it there's been some obvious growing pains between uh, – the role you know being a kind of a role player like they've they have been in the past to being a consistent two three four option guy that you can uh rely on on a consistent basis but i will say and maybe this is too positive of a spin on it but i would the last two seasons has kind of hit december lows. They, they they started last season 0-3 in the big 10. uh fran McCa- in, in both of those seasons they went on to make the NCAA tournament in 2022. They won the Big Ten tournament. And, uh, you know, I don't want to overblow it because obviously they, they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, so I'm not saying that they went on to some magical Final Four run. But Fran McCaffrey has shown the ability for his team to grow from, from some rough stretches, uh, you know, in, in, in around the December months, the last two seasons. So I think that this team is built to do that again, because they have four freshmen in the rotation. They have three veteran guys that are trying to kind of find their footing and become those, those more reliable options. And I'm not saying that they are, because there is a lot of growth that needs to happen in order for them to bounce back in the way that they have the last two seasons. But I feel like this roster is built to at least have the chance of doing that again. So, um, like I said, things are not good right now. They need to get better, but I wouldn't pack it up. You know, I wouldn't pack up the season yet. If if we're having the same conversations in February, then I might be, you know, have different ideas, but things need to get better, but not ready to give up on things yet.
1: Well, if they lose the floor at A&M, we can give up, I think.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and that kind of like... They I'm just lost kidding. The Eastern, so they lost the Eastern <laughs> I know. Illinois that's why I say that. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and they still managed to be an eighth seed in the tournament. So it's kind of like, I understand the frustration yeah. right now, and I think it's warranted, but there's, there's still time for this team to get to where it needs to be.
1: Yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I uh, understand all that, and I agree with you, but I also, m- personally, my expectations for this team have taken a big step back. After this last week, I think, and I don't know, maybe I'm off base, but I, I don't see, you know, there's not a Chris Murray on this team. Um There, you know, he was injured during that stretch. Don't forget last year too, um, where they were struggling. They lost Eastern Illinois. There's, there's not injuries right now for the Hawkeyes. So, um, I don't know. Do, do we dial back expectations? The Hawkeyes are already zero and two in Big Ten play. Their next Big Ten game is at Wisconsin on January second. That's probably a loss. So. Uh, What do you think? I mean, we both kind of were middle of the pack on the Hawkeyes coming into the year. Um, I'm probably leaning to the back of the pack at this point.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, that's the way certainly they're trending right now, and right now they're not an NCAA tournament team. Uh, There's time for that to change, but you do make a good point with you know, not having a star necessarily right now, uh, a Chris Murray, Keegan Murray type, because the last two seasons when Iowa has Kind of been trying to bounce back from some uh, dips in the season, it had the luxury of having mm-hmm. stars, you know whether whether that be even before then with Luca Garza to Keegan Murray to Chris Murray. and one of the questions entering this season was, one, is someone gonna emerge as that star again? because I think there were some obvious candidates for people that could, and two, if not. Can they be a more well-balanced scoring team than they have in the past? And the problem is it it feels like we don't really know what they are. Like, Mm -hmm. is there going, you know, is Peyton Sanford, uh, you know, he he hasn't played poorly by any stretch, but I also don't think he's quite had the season up to this point that many people hoped. Um, And and I would, the sum of I was part of being a potentially more well-balanced scoring attack hasn't been there either so it feels like they're kind of they're still trying to figure out their offensive identity of if if they're going to be a really good offensive team like people are used to what is the successful formula to be able to get there
1: appreciate it tyler we'll see how it goes uh saturday in wells fargo and uh you know we'll have our you know we'll have iowa football signing day kirk Farron's talking about ocs next week uh on wednesday so Lots of uh, coverage to come at Hawk Central. Thanks for uh, your strong efforts on the basketball beat. I, I, I know you're going to cover some wins at some point. Promise. Yeah,
2: yeah, hopefully. Hopefully at some
1: point. All right, folks, uh, we will have you covered up till next week in the portal at, on the OC search and uh, eventually in Orlando at hawkcentral.com. And we will catch you next Wednesday night here on Hawk Central Radio 106.3 KXNO. For Tyler Tashman, this is Chad Lestico saying so long and good night.